I think life would have been so much easier if Age of Empires 4 had a different name. If it was called um, Age of Empires 4, whatever, people <laughs> wouldn't... All right, so today is Thursday, and that means we're recording this just one day after the official announcement of your next big tournament, uh, an Age of Empires 4 tournament. Now, this may come as a huge surprise to you, Nelly, but so far, this announcement hasn't quite had a very enthusiastic reception in some parts of the Age of Empires 2 community. Huge shock, I know. Now, before we get to that, and we will get to that, there's a whole lot of other stuff I want to talk to you about. So I've heard you say several times in different interviews that before you became a full-time streamer, you were working two jobs. Now, I believe that would be you working as a primary school teacher and a professional poker player. Is that right? Yeah, but those were kind of different times. I think I started playing poker in like 2006, uh, kind of in my school time. Then I was a professional poker player, studied a bit at the same time. And then that kind of faded out a bit while I became an elementary school teacher, finishing my studies. And then kind of poker, yeah, as I said, like I, I still travel to Vegas and such, even now after I was a streamer. But kind of lost the intensity and then streaming became more and more prominent in the life okay so poker came first teacher came after yeah, that yeah 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 exactly like it, it's tricky right i i kind of had internships when i was like in ninth grade and i started poker in like 2006 i would think so mm-hmm. um so both started relatively early but earning money wise poker came before Elementary school teaching, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of your main motivations for becoming a teacher was the fact you thought your own teachers were bad. So what were they doing wrong? Uh, yeah, yeah. I like I was probably not the best one in school, although I always passed. Right, elementary school, I was obviously some of one of the best. Then I got to the advanced school and was always at the bottom and felt like lessons were pretty boring topics were not really interested the way of teaching felt simply like this this can't be right and i wanted to be like the ambitious person let's change everything and let's go and change the system and i actually wanted to go like in educational politics and my mother worked roughly in that field, not really, mm-hmm. but she took me to one like small Congress meeting where no, it's not that small. Like it's still, I would think like a, a bit, around 100 people basically from our district, district size, like 250,000 people in Berlin. And that was absolutely horrible. And mm-hmm. I, I hated everything about it. It was like party A say something like one out of the party a saying something whole party a applauding and saying okay that was great party b even leaving or like making faces and i knew i wanted nothing to do with those people politics as usual yeah 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 but i didn't know i didn't know right and that was me (laughs) in like 10th grade or something and i knew okay i I can't do politics at all and then i did say uh, decided to basically go, go to the front and teach directly right but what i was actually interested in is you said the teaching was bad so what exactly was bad about the teaching that you got what were your teachers doing wrong um obviously this is like 
very subjective being the student, right? Obviously. Now, uh, like years later, I have way more understanding on what's going on and like how much overworked they are and that they are only like mm -hmm. slaves in the system as well. Like it's it's even tricky. Like even at the end of my school time, basically in Germany, it's very common that you kind of create a book, everyone gets a page and then you have some memories to, to remember your school time. People and write something you on your page, to... right? Say again? If people write something on your page about you, right? It, exactly, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could um, basically add one phrase or what, one message. And my saying was, or the, the, the thing that I wrote down was, ah, okay, yeah, the question was, what was the thing that you learned in school? And I learned, or like I wrote down, teachers are also only human beings. Mm -hmm. And I <laughs> actually really didn't you. mean that in a provocative way. I meant like, wow, I understood how tricky it is for them to be uh, like having four different classes per day in front of 30 and try to be entertaining for everyone. And mm -hmm. they, they can't pick the topics and then that's bad. And I, I got a feeling like, okay, I understood how ugly it is to be a teacher in some ways, but then actually never printed that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they took it more of an offense. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, you know, I was very raised in Portugal. And so I don't know how things looked like here in Germany back then. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. when I went to primary school, teachers could and indeed beat children who misbehaved. And, you know, one of the most common punishments was to have the palm of your hand slapped with a ruler. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So during my time, that was kind of becoming less and less common. But in my parents' generations, uh, in my parents' generation, it happened all the time. Now, would you say the younger generation of teachers, so the guys and girls who studied with you, are they doing a better job at teaching? considering all the yeah. limitations. It's it's obvious, right? It's 20 years more of There's educational more research, progress. Right? There's more studies, more understanding, more focus on, okay, maybe going through the curricula isn't the most important thing, but maybe having the approach of creating some more happy human beings. Obviously, like physical beating was not taught uh, in my studies. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think I think we had some good developments and I think people would have been more happy being taught by teachers that are now joining than mm -hmm. the 30 years ago. But that makes lots of sense, right? Everything that is basically being taught got lots of improvement over the last 30 years, probably not everything, but at least in that field where a lot of studies are being done. But still... People like I saw lots of children being super unhappy. So uh, I think and hope that there will be more development in that in the next 30 years as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you said you really enjoyed your job as a teacher. And if you were to stop streaming at some point, you would most likely go back to it. I believe you were teaching math to children aged six to nine, roughly, right? Um, in the state that I was, We we kind of are like educated to teach first till ninth grade, and elementary school in our state was first to fourth grade. That is something I did the most. I also did half a year of ninth graders, and math and social science. Yeah, it's basically like mm -hmm. understanding the world. I would right. Think. So, but what age groups are we talking here? Uh, so first like, grade, uh, graders I had are six, right? 
five year old to like fifteen year olds. Okay, so yeah. pretty broad spectrum. Okay, so yeah, do you but, enjoy but, teaching? Sorry. Yeah, like my main goal was to have like the five to ten year olds, mm -hmm. but I also really enjoyed ninth grade because there it's not like like math and the topics become so much more interesting because it's not like teaching the basics, but kind of like I'm not that interested in like teaching three plus three. I'm more mm -hmm. interested in like how can we use math to make our life e easier? And that's like the beauty of what should be math. In German, we have like two different terms for like the mathematical understanding and like the numerical um, process. So what are the I, German I words more... for that? Kind say of again? now. What are the German uh, words for that? I would say rechnen is like the, the arithmetic thing. And then we have like mathematics for the great understanding. Maybe I'm the only one using that uh, clarification mm -hmm. or yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy teaching young kids specifically or do you just enjoy teaching in general? Uh, since like my motivation was mainly to change and to be good in the world, kind of, I think your influence for a six-year-old six is bigger than your influence for a 15-year-old. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to like go there and be very, very, yeah, influence them very early. Actually, like if I go back to teaching right now, it actually is more likely that I will teach in prison mm -hmm. because that's kind of what, what drives me or interests me right now to help out convicts that never got their first education level. And that would be really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you just said you started playing poker in 2006. I believe Doubt started playing poker in 2005 or six as well. Are you better? Mm -hmm. are, are you better than him at poker? I remember you guys played a couple of times, but I, I don't remember who won actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Doubt was really good at picking his games. Like he was playing on like Indian small sides and played against some people there. <laughs> he was like he like his main skill, and that might have been my main skill as well, was like not playing games that he didn't beat. But on a theoretical level, it, it was quite a huge gap between the two of us. In your favor, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So um, I just about know the basic rules of poker. So I always wondered, mm -hmm. what does it take to be a good poker player? I mean, I, I assume you need to have the ability to calculate, you know, all the winning percentages in your head really fast. Mm -hmm. But there has to be something else to it. Discipline, probably. Like, I think... I've seen a lot of players break due to be, it being so unfair. Like the game owes you nothing and that can be really punishing, right? I've, I've spent Vegas like six weeks grinding 14, 16 hours every day. And at the end, I, I, I left with the minus. This is so mm -hmm. tough. And so, like, oh, like you see how bad those play, how much work you put in and... I've seen a lot of people break there. I've seen like friends getting suicidal. I've seen wow. really good poker players like smashing their PCs, smashing their gear. And I think that's like 
in an understanding that really helped me through poker. Plus also like the ego, right? They want to play the highest stakes. They want to play against the very best. But those are not always the most profitable games. And then they think, okay, I want to go there and want to take a shot with the best guys. But they invest too much of their money. And then if you have a small like losing streak, you have to go way down to not lose all your money and to go broke. And I think I was always the responsible one there. That was one of my... And those are like the outside skills that feel so unrewarding or like uh, unsatisfying for like how what to be a good poker player. But those basics are so big. And then we can go into like, okay, what hands do we take to check race on the turn if we have uh, yeah, more technical what, like, stuff, go, go, you know, go, go into the deep thing. And there, I think simply having dedication and like the will to get better because the thing, what most people think, like it's so easy to get better at some things if you practice them and do them over and over again. That's not the case for poker. Like you sitting down and trying to get better at the game is something that simply doesn't work because it's so complex. You need to read books, you need to watch videos, you need to talk with people that are smarter than you. And that's the only way to get better. And a huge misconception is like, I played thousands of hours, I have to be good at poker. No. Okay, a very, a very interesting point there. Wouldn't that lend credence to the fact or to the claim that many people make that uh, poker is a luck-based game or it has too much luck involved? Oh, um, well, it's like... On looking at one hand, it's more than 99% luck. Looking at the infinite amount of hands, it's 0% luck. Or let's say way less than 1%. Um, I try to always explain it um, with the example. I did lots of study and I'm so much better, right? And like my decision making will be better. I get a dice with seven sides however that dice works. You get a dice with six sides. Now we both roll against each other. It's easy that you can have a five, I have a two, right? And you win. We roll again. You have a four, I have a one. Now you have a six, but I get a seven, right? Sometimes you get a three, I get a five. And or we can roll it very, very often and you can still be winning against me. But in the long run, it is due to me making better decisions, I simply add more sides to my dice and therefore will be winning more often in the long run. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you know, <laughs> no conversation about poker with you would be complete without mentioning what is surely your most popular clip on the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, that's you playing in a high stakes tournament, going all in with a hand where at some point you had like a 99% chance of winning, but nevertheless still lost. Um, spoilers, I guess. Uh, were you mad about that one? Or was it just so absurd and so ridiculous you just kind of laughed it off? You know, what you're going to do? Um, it, it didn't influence me at all. And I think that's one of my greatest strengths. Um, so basically, like, how I viewed the situation, I went all in, he went all in. And everything that happened in between is for television. Right, right. Uh, mm -hmm. like it's it's the moment we all in. It it doesn't matter what's happening. 
and that's the cr most crazy run out. I make the full house. He makes a better full house uh, <laughs> after you said over one. And like the value of that pot is like uh, above $430,000 or something. So it's basically like a house is lying there and I, I have 99% of that house. And then the key is still taken away from me <laughs> if you want to look at that. Um, but actually like I, I realistically never had 99%. In, in my view, right? I, I go all in, I have 70%, he has 30%, and that's where what I can influence ends. And I think he misplayed that hand. Um, I think I, yeah, well, maybe not on a technical level, but in a game flow level. Um, and yeah, I, I was happy with that play and whatever happens then is not important. And I still right. survive two more people if I win this, I, like, I'm obviously in a golden position to maybe win the whole tournament. Um, but two more people left the tournament and I made pay jumps. So like me staying calm and me continuing to play my best poker gave me the chance to get more money. Plus, I, I, I wasn't out at that point. I still lost two more lands that actually like were worse, worse beats even. Uh, like mm -hmm. financially mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that one is the most famous one but it's actually not even the hand of the the tournament kind of but yeah, right. obviously like millions and millions watched that video <laughs> uh, i obviously rewatched it and i i, I just completely <laughs> lost it at the face of the other guy um busquet busquet mm -hmm. yeah, 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 right yeah yeah, so yeah, the way he was trying really hard not to laugh, <laughs> I just totally lost it. Ooh, I, I don't think he was, he was fighting, laughing. It was I, like he was a bit ashamed or didn't didn't feel like he he deserved it. I believe. <laughs> I think at some point he was trying really hard not to laugh or okay. at least show some emotion, which I think it's something you guys tend to do. Just just don't show anything. <laughs> Out of the pros, yeah, there are obviously mm -hmm. a lot of recreational players that are way better for camera and way better for um, for poker in general that are more emotional, right? I think mm -hmm. you are the better player if you're more detached with your feelings, but I think that's kind of killing the game and killing the flair. Like, mm -hmm. if I play my home game with my friends, like, we are shouting, we are jumping, we right. are more happy. If I'm streaming poker here and no one can see me, uh, like, oh, if like if I when I stream poker, I, I was jumping as well, rooting for cards. But if I do my Sunday grind and have my 14 poker tables face. open, I, 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 I don't flinch whatever happens. Right, right, right. Uh, at some point, poker wasn't making you happy anymore, though. So you stopped playing. What part of it made you stop? The people that you interact with, right? It's like the the winning players are all early 20s that never did anything in their life, became rich way too early at a like early age, no life experience, and generally not really happy. So like those are not the people that really inspired me to do something beautiful in my life. And the players that are recreational, that are kind of taking money away, are people that are able to work or like to to not work for quite some time and got lots of money. So I knew a lot of people in shady businesses that were able to simply play poker to like 4 a.m. in the casino and then still go to the 
other private games till 10 a.m. in the morning or 8 a.m. in the morning. And I, I had a lot mm -hmm. of lots of those games. And that wasn't nice. Plus, I didn't feel like I, I was going somewhere um, in like developing social skills, right? Like I, mm -hmm. I was I was not doing too great there. And uh, some people feel like, oh, you're still not great. You shouldn't have met me like 2009. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, so like life was not really going anywhere and therefore I decided it became less and less and I was really happy that I was able to start studying. Mm -hmm. um, your parents traveled a lot when you were young and they took you with them. Were those work-related travels? No, no. Uh, basically, I was born in Eastern Germany and both my parents and they were basically told you, you, will, you might never leave the... like. Ost-European sector. Like they have been mm -hmm. to Russia once and I think to Poland once or something. And then basically there was the big change in Germany, 89, and all travel restrictions were ended. And they were like, wow, okay, we, we are now like 1990 or something. Do we build a house or do we want to see the world? And they decided mm -hmm. to see the world. And they took me with them every single time till I didn't want anymore. And I, I think I traveled like 35 countries with them and still like 15 after that or something. Like, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of countries. Obviously, their travel was not really like learning about the culture in a deep way. It was more like, okay, we book a hotel for two weeks and let's do two day trips that are obviously guided tours. Like, well, mm -hmm. I, like, it's not like they backpacked through a country. Like, they were old people, like, hardworking. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they they wanted their beach as well. Right, so right. I, I wouldn't, like, I didn't gain a feeling of the difference of, like, Dominican Republic beach or a beach in Turkey. The hotel was pretty pretty much the same. Right, so, right, like, right, yeah. right. They, they, they could mark a lot of the countries, yeah. I so think the travels you, that I did afterwards were more like getting a real understanding of countries. So you were really experiencing a different culture per se mm -hmm, while, mm -hmm. while on those travels. Yeah, yeah. interesting. D right, different so food as you just at said. the whole hotel buffet. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if, uh, as a consequence of all that traveling you just said, you've been now to close to 50 countries. Mm -hmm. um, in an interview with Juan Franco, you mentioned that Barcelona is your favorite city. What, what's, what's so special about it? My brother lived there for like half a year. Mm, I really like the big flavor or the flavor of a big city in the sense like you have mass amount of restaurants, you have lots of options for entertainment. And then you directly at that spot have the beautiful beach. Mm -hmm. You have lots of culture that feels nice. Uh, infrastructure is really good when it comes to like public transportation or like renting scooters is like super cheap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I like, I really enjoyed like the high living standards. I can go to a really good restaurant, drink my sangria and do a walk on the beach and then still sleep in a, in a good Airbnb afterwards and everything very connected. Plus obviously like I've been there at really good times. Like with friends, like I had the big poker success there as well. And we had beautiful trips. So it might be like super biased and there might be like 
like Lisbon could be the same, but I still have all the good feelings connected to to Barcelona. Barcelona. I think one big plus when it comes to Barcelona is that it's right in the coast of the uh, Mediterranean Sea, right? So the water is much warmer and it's just more pleasant because in Lisbon, you got the uh, Atlantic Ocean, which is freezing cold. <laughs> Not that you would go there to go to the beach, though. Anyway, um, in that interview with Guanfranco, yeah, I just mentioned before, you went through all your first experiences with the game and your first experiences online and all that kind of stuff. So I'll be skipping that part here. And to those of you who are interested in, in knowing more about that part of Neely's career, just uh, make sure to check that interview. I'll be dropping the link in the description box below. So I'd like to jump ahead to the time where our paths have crossed for the first time. And mm -hmm. that was the uh, in 2015 during the WSVG tournament in the Maldives. So this was a 1v1 event with a massive qualification stage and a final stage played as a LAN. We were both there. We casted like 90% of the games together. And I personally loved every second of it. Even the opening ceremony, which will probably go down as one of the most cringeworthy opening ceremonies in history. Uh, I believe there are YouTube, YouTube videos still around. Um, how did you feel about the whole thing? Mm. Obviously, organization was super bad. Mm -hmm. And all the shady stuff that happened behind the scenes was really bad. I think, like, as I said, I think we can one time do a full, like, three-hour podcast of ranting about that one and, like, show all the old pictures. So basically what happened, like, there, there are so, so many things that went wrong. Holy moly. The general goal was, like, to reduce youth criminal, uh, criminal rates. In, in the Maldives, and that's why I wanted to have like an eSport event there. I didn't and, know that. Okay. Yeah. In the end, actually, it happened on a private island and locals were not allowed. So like mm -hmm. nothing happened there. And then like Maldives said, okay, we want to support that. And then WSVG was like, I will sue you. And Maldives was, yeah, I tr tried to sue a Maldives company in front of a Maldives lawyer. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that. And then WSVG didn't even try after that sentence. Mm -hmm. And they lost like multi-millions and organization was really bad. And the like everything was set up and suddenly the hotel and venue said, no, nah, we want to do an event one day before WSVG started. Let's take everything off the island and you have to rebuild up everything again. So that was like two full boat trips plus all the production crew. And in the end, we had an event. Age of Empires went relatively smoothly. It was completely mm -hmm. taken as a joke for other games. Players, I'm pretty sure, never got uh, paid in some games. And in the other games. Let's make it very clear. A the Age of Empire players, they got all their prizes. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what we were there for. Uh, we took care of that. Before the event started, we made sure we had the money. So all the Age of Empires two players had everything taken care of yeah and wsvg was a company that already went broke then got massive funding and i think that was their last event as well so for age of empires it was quite nice but obviously we saw a lot of other stuff there like i was responsible for the tournament format of the starcraft games right and they offered me to cast while i've never played a single starcraft game <laughs> and it was it was it was it was wild and yeah, obviously, like in, in the StarCraft scene, and I think it was a 10K tournament or something, it will be never remembered. In FIFA, it will be remembered heavily in the Maldives because the Maldives local actually won against the pros that kid, flew right? in there. 
Um, so was it, it was we a little kid. How old was he? He was really young, I think, like I 14 or something. I only know okay. that like the, he was allowed on the island because he was participating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the other three Maldives players that also like won the local qualifiers were also there and they like heavily celebrated, obviously. And uh, we only slept one hour, right? I even slept with the Internet. like maids and the gardener. Like I'm not really sure, like the em- island employees uh, in like a bunk bed there because it wasn't worth for me to get to the hotel because we like that would have meant no sleep instead of like two hours of sleep. Wait, well, um, weren't you sharing a room with Jeanette? That's what yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I did, I did. But I, one night I actually slept on the islands. Mm, okay 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 right uh if we just ignore all the negatives uh surrounding Mm -hmm. it you know of the whole controversy and all those problems you just mentioned if you just focus on the age of empires 2 tournament Mm -hmm. um was it a good tournament was it a good experience for you well it was the new viewer peak right didn't we have like 2600 viewers or something i think Uh, it was more i think it's like 3000 or something which was a massive record massive record Yeah, yeah unheard of unheard of and mm. it's funny it's funny how that can be um a stream countdown for kotd right now right right okay quite easily <laughs> um yeah we've come a far uh, a long way and the finals were great the tournament format was nice meeting the players for the first time was really nice and i think it gave a lot of like eyes into the esport direction for Age of Empires, right? And it's not that casual anymore. And it was the first big step towards, wow, Age of Empires can be entertaining and getting the players there all together added so much. And for some people, it might be... I think it should be considered probably the first big event of a new era, right? Mm -hmm. Could that be the case? Mm Yeah. I remember Tuff, the main organizer, saying... This is the best thing that could happen to Age of Empires, except working with Microsoft directly. Right. That was such a foreign thought back then, right? Microsoft getting involved in the game, just Mm -hmm. not possible at all. At least not in the competitive scene. Uh, Of course, the HD version was out by then. Um, Was it? No, no, no. Looking back... It was before HD. I don't think so. HD was 2013, right? And Maldives was oh, 2015. Okay, okay. So the HD okay, okay. version yeah, was out yeah, already. True, true. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, you know, looking back at it now, to me personally, this tournament felt like the beginning of the end of Vubli's streaming team. I think the real end of it only happened maybe two years later, but I think it all started with the WSVG tournament. And for mm-hmm. those of you who weren't around back then, at the time, Mem and Katsuni were responsible for like, 99% of streaming time in uh, Vubli's Twitch channel. So they were the main faces of Vubli, so to speak. And of course, they were invited to cast the WSVG event. But due to the incompetence uh, incompetence of the organization, as you just mentioned, the WSVG guys just didn't organize a plane ticket for them. Well, they didn't organize a plane ticket for any of us. So we all just ended, ended up buying the plane tickets with our own money. But unfortunately, Katsuni and Mem were not in a position to afford the tickets. And so they didn't make it to the event. They were understandably upset about it. Uh, and so after the event, Katsuni stopped streaming on Vubli entirely. Uh, Mem started streaming almost exclusively on his channel. Uh, Taf 
just mentioned was Vulby's head moderator at the time. He announced his retirement from Age of Empires shortly after that. I think Jeanette followed Sutu as well. So, you know, things were never the same again after that mm-hmm. event. So in that context, you know, in the context of a changing environment in the streaming scene, what were your plans for your streaming career at that time in 2015? Was, you know, was trying to go full time something that was already on your mind? No, not really. I, I was stu- on, on the end of my studies. I knew I would become a teacher going full time Age of Empires or anything in that regard was completely completely off limits like the money was so little involved as well there were there was no way that i would have thought 2015 nilly is going to do what he's doing in 2022 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know um you have a long list of accomplishments in our community but for my money the most impressive of them all was your first nac in 2018 i i, I still struggle to understand how it was even possible to organize such an event almost alone well, of course, you had help here and there, but I believe you were basically involved in every single aspect of the organization, which you, by the way, financed entirely out of your own pocket, right? So it was a huge financial gamble for you. Kind of feels like an idea you probably had while completely passed out drunk or something. <laughs> now, everybody can think about the most obvious things like buying plane tickets, finding accommodation for players and so on. But I'm curious about What are other aspects of organizing such an event that still need to be taken care of, but are much less obvious? And, you know, casuals like me don't even know about it. Well, first of all, like convincing people that it's a good idea to get there. And I I think (laughs) it's like, that's not tricky, but like giving people understanding what we are going to do and all the like meeting people beforehand, right? I always had meetings with the players and like, what are the settings? What do we do? And lots of babysitting, obviously, like during the event, I basically only sleep like two, three hours per day. And I think giving people an understanding of what's going to happen, why they should tune in. and. I think that promotional aspect and I think actually like most of the work is understand like you you would expect what's doing it uh, or like how is it going to be there's no like surprise thing that takes another 100 hours it's just like mm-hmm. so many small th- small things that are adding up like with age of with um and I see three, obviously, DE just came out, and that was mm-hmm. horrible work because it was so buggy. The observing didn't work. Like, I had multiple meetings there trying to get something rolling. Luckily, the Capture H crew did something, but um, it, it still was, like, in a really bad state. That took, like, lots and lots of nerves. Uh, all the Hera here and there, organizing all the qualifiers, obviously, was re- a lot for NAC3. I think NAC1... A lot of stuff went right for me that it was so well received. And mm-hmm. I th- I think I only put, excluding the event itself, maybe 100 hours of preparation. It wasn't, wow. that, it wasn't that massive in that regard. Simply like no qualifiers, not a lot of like knowledge on how to shout out, where to do ads and such. So... I was really fortunate that it was received so well. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of like a hundred hours of preparation might be a lot in some sense as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a massive success for you. Everybody was just blown away by the production quality and, and so on. Now, in 2019, you joined Team Secret, which was, in effect, the old Tyrant team, probably the most legendary team in Age of Empires II history. And I, I remember you used to practice a lot with the Tyrants whenever there was, like, a big team game tournament coming. So was this, like, a dream come true for you? I actually didn't practice a lot with them. I only talked about it a lot because I was so happy. Mm. It was, like, one training session where John couldn't do it, and I simply filled for him. And it was Doubt, Cap, Viper, and they did like one training session against Chris team at that time. It was an eight-hour grind. That's something that it did RM-wise. And we had like two weeks of practice in Deathmatch. Like Shine and me mm. against Cap and Viper. We probably played like 150 games there. But that was just really intense for Wars Coming. And obviously, like this is the dream team. Yeah. But I felt like I didn't really deserve to be there and I wouldn't really add enough to the team. So like for Wars Coming, I didn't dream like, oh, I, I really want to join them in a realistic mm-hmm. 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 Were you expecting to improve more as a player after you joined the team? Because, you know, you were now surrounded by such skilled and knowledgeable people. Yeah, yeah. I thought like they would carry me more. We would get training. They would give me more tips. But I did that mainly on my own. Like every single time we had something that basically instantly ended on YouTube. And I was hoping that I would improve more like due to being part of the team. And yeah, I obviously like skill-wise was not really worthy to be there. But I think I fought my way in there quite a bit. And I think I incredibly proved my value uh, during the Gamer Legion bootcamp uh, before Red Bull. And I right. think I, I added a lot there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting point. Um, why did your miss, uh, mission to become a top 10 player fail? Interesting. You're, you're someone who's so analytical, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I assume mm-hmm. you've thought about this. Hmm... I'm simply not good enough, probably. Maybe, maybe it's age, maybe it's talent, but I reached, I reached my peak. Like I, I put my heart and all the dedication in there. I think if it's like, I would cut on social life, cut like the girlfriend out, and would have like even in my hardcore grind hour days, I quote unquote only played four or five hours, right? I think if I went like 10 hours, I could have maybe scratched it. But I think while staying healthy and reasonable, I could not break it. And I I, I reached my limits. Hmm. Right. At some point, I think it's just a balance, right? How much are you going to get in return for all the investment that you're making? And maybe to you at some point, the investment just wasn't worth it anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I, I had some success, right? Had some good sets, beat some big names. I think two pulls two, was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, really showed like how much I improved, and I had some really good sets there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm obviously really far away from from being a top ten player, and probably also really far away from like even being a real like consistent top thirty two player. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, let's talk about yesterday's announcement. I was there, I watched it live, but it was only yesterday, so surely a lot of people watching this don't know about it yet. So just give us a, a quick summary of the main features of this uh, this tournament. Mm, so simply because like we already like said NAC is going to happen, it's basically the tournament that is NAC-like, will be with Age of Empires 4 though, and in a different location, and will have a $100,000 prize pool. Yeah, that's the very short version of it. All right. <laughs> um, right, you, you can still let people know where they can find out more about the tournament at the end. So allow me to play devil's advocate here, Nelly. Uh, you are currently the tournament coordinator for the whole Age of Empires franchise, and that means you get to decide which tournaments will receive financial support from Microsoft. So with this tournament, you basically awarded yourself in your tournament what, what I assume is a large amount of money just by virtue of being in that position. Is this a conflict of interest? Uh, absolutely. And I mentioned that early. And while taking that job, I already knew that at some point I will indeed give myself a huge sum. And I talked to people before and uh, like I, I, I basically told that to Microsoft, like, by the way, if, if I did an AC4, let's say 2021 with H2, it would have been a, a 100K tournament. If I now take this job, it will look really weird if if I do a 100k with. I actually at that time assumed the AO4 will flop, and mm -hmm. I, I thought I would do like whenever AO2, and I, I always said like that's going to be massive and it will look weird. And they said like we will trust your judgment, and mm. I know it will, it will be shady. And that's like what I, even in my introduction video I said like there will be conflict of interest and a lot of people will see it's weird, and. At some point, I actually like felt like, oh, yeah, I can't make it look so weird and thought, okay, I will make it a 50K or like a, a 75K. And then friend, friends like unrelated to Age of Empires talked to me and they were like, do you think you're deserving of the 100K tournament? And I said like, yeah. Would you, would you make this 100K tournament if you weren't in this position? Yeah. So like... I honestly believe it's in the best interest of Age of Empires. And that's obviously like um, super arrogant to say. I think it's in best interest in for Age of Empires that this is 100k. All right. So I, uh, I understand that totally. But the thing is, if you're admitting that this is a conflict of interest, mm -hmm. the next thought to a lot of people is going to be, are you going to engage in conduct in uh, in corrupt conduct with this money are you gonna engage in corruption with this money mm -hmm. and you know people who love you and people who know you know you won't do that but there's a lot of people in this community right now and a lot of people who don't know you mm -hmm. and don't know if you're trustworthy or not so will you do something about this conflict of interest are you going to do something in the way of transparency I, I, when it comes I, I did that in the past and i see this as well right uh, where simply like listed those were all my my stuff that I spent the money on those were the income and that's something I am going to do most likely uh, with N4C I, I only can say most likely because we will have massive sponsors and I will tell them by the way after this I will make it public and let's say um, a company stopping by wants to give a massive amount and say like yeah you're not allowed to share that then I will try to find a way around it to still like 
show you how I spent the money without saying where the income was from. And yeah, so like my goal is to, after I got all the sponsors, simply say and list, those are all my income sources and that's all, those are all my earnings. Oh, like spendings. Right. Um, okay, so I'll just go ahead with the next and then ask you another thing. Uh, a lot of people have also questioned your ability to stay neutral when mm -hmm. it comes to distributing funds through all the different games in the franchise. Mm -hmm. Because you've made it very public now. You have a clear personal preference for one of the games. I mean, the same was true before Age of Empires 4, obviously. But now we have two games that are very similar in size. And, and that was not the case before. Mm -hmm. So is this a legitimate concern? I, I can see the concern of people, but um, I, I think, as I stated in the last podcast we did, right, there was so little interest for Age of Empires 2 that everyone who contacted me got money for Age of Empires 2 tournaments. So, mm -hmm. like, simply saying, Neely is not giving enough money to Age of Empires 2, I, I handed out, like, pe people asked me and I gave it out because there was so little, so few people. Like, wondering, like, after I tweeted, the thing, like, contact me for Age of Empires 2. Then lots of people showed up. And, yeah, that's, for example, how Wandering Warriors or yeah, Wandering Warriors Championship or something, WWC, the T90 Dave tournament came, came to life. Um, is that totally accurate, though? I seem to remember someone claiming they asked money for a Socatra tournament or ah, arena yeah. tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they weren't awarded. Yeah, 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 exactly. But that was like after, like after that was after the tweet, and I got like twenty requests of that. And obviously, right. some tournaments resulted in funding. I, I, I obviously didn't give uh, money to twenty people, right? I think Huhu Koyotl, sorry for butchering his name, also <laughs> said that uh, he didn't get funding, although he he asked me. And this is simply. So he was just too late. He was too late. Requesting the money. Uh, no, he wasn't too late. He was, in my opinion, too close to Battle of Africa in his tournament concept. And if we want to do Battle of Africa, I think having, let's say, uh, uh, 3 3-3 tournament, like two months before Battle of Africa, would have felt wrong. Right. In terms of transparency, though, I think people... I, I mean, I know you. I personally trust you. But... I think people want to know want more transparency when it comes to knowing how many how much funding will there be for Age of Empires 4? How much funding will there be for Age of Empires 2? Because mm -hmm. both games are very similar in size now. Mm -hmm. And you know, fans of both games don't want to have the impression that one game is being favored over the other when both uh, both player sizes are are very similar. So that's where I think a tournament calendar would come really in handy. When can we expect to see that? Those are obviously two different things, right? Money distribution and tournament calendar. Money distribution, I, I have right. one pool. And I talked to AOE1 tournaments, AOE3 tournaments, um, AOM tournaments contacting me, right? So that's all, all the whole pool. AOE Online never contacted me. Um, so there's like no clear line. And tournament calendar, it's its really frustrating for me as well. So basically, the situation there is I'm not allowed to host a tournament calendar that is not on an official Age of Empires website. Like, I can't, like, just tweet, that's the schedule, and I'm, op like, I'm publishing that as an MS employee or, like, for an Empires contractor, and I'm also not 
allowed to share it as a private person because I'm under NDA. And therefore, I basically have to wait for them to put a calendar on the website. I had two meetings about that. It's not high on their priority list. They don't understand mm -hmm. why Liquipedia is not enough. And that's frustrating. So what we did right now, if someone is interested in hosting a tournament, I share the complete schedule because then they're under NDA. And like, for example, people that now got sponsorship from Microsoft, they know about the full schedule that's already of, of planned events. Obviously, mm -hmm. they're not allowed to, to share that, right? Because, yeah. But so basically, if you're a tournament organizer, you are aware of what's happening, but obviously can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that's very important from this perspective. You've just announced a 100k tournament for Age of Empires 4. Mm -hmm. People are obviously wondering, well, what about Age of Empires 2? Mm -hmm. Now, if at the beginning of the year, we already knew that, okay, there's a 100 tournament, 100k tournament for Age of Empires 4 now, but just in two months time, there is going to be an Age of Empires 2 tournament with 50k prize pool or whatever, then people can judge for themselves, okay, this is fairly balanced. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, we just don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, are the next months just gonna be Age of Empires 4 tournaments or is there going to be Age of Empires 2 tournaments too? Because again, both games have a similar player size at the moment. So people would expect that sponsorship from Microsoft would be fair and balanced in this in this matter. Mm -hmm. So I personally believe that's uh, one point where more uh, transparency could be uh, warranted. Now, I, don't, you know, I don't think like... As a comp, like that—that's a bit of like my personal speculation. Like player size doesn't justify tournament funding. I think the tournament funding is to keep player base and to increase player base. So let's say there well, are those players are that are though, always right? in the vacuum, lots of players that never watch tournaments and they will never increase and will never fall you don't need us to do a single tournament for them. Mm -hmm. It still sound, sounds connected to me though, right? You, you just said it has nothing to do with player base, but then you mentioned people no, no, who do I, play. I, I'm not saying it doesn't have to be like, but it's like, I, I don't think the correlation is, is like directly there. As direct, okay, mm -hmm. right. So listen, last time we talked uh, in episode six of this podcast, you told me you're someone who's very much decision-oriented as opposed to results-oriented. Now, yeah, right. So in the context of this announcement, does that mean that no matter how much negative criticism you'll get for this, you'll always be able to rely on the whole thought process you went through before coming to this decision and, you know, just simply ignore the hate around it? Um. Well, I can't ignore it. Like it, it gets to me, obviously, but I truly believe it is the right decision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So th that's just how you, f what you fall back to. You trust your your thought process and your decision process. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Otherwise, I couldn't do anything in life, right? You have to put some trust in what you do. makes makes life so much easier. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So. You just admit it. Negative criticism and negative thoughts do affect you. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, um, how how do you fight those negative thoughts? And how do you manage to stay on course with the decisions you make? You know, I, I remember you confessing uh, some, uh, in the past 
that you sometimes have a hard time dealing with YouTube comments, for example. And mm-hmm. I also, interesting, I just remember this. There, there, there was a series versus Andorin, which you were on the brink of losing. I think mm-hmm. it was this was a Red Bull qualifier. And you were heavily German favored. Championship qualifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And you were heavily favored there, right? Mm-hmm. You did win it. But after the series was over, you said you were having, you know, all kinds of negative thoughts during the games. You said you were thinking about quitting everything and leaving everything behind mm-hmm. if you were to lo- lose the series. Mm-hmm. So h- how do you fight these thoughts and just stay on course? That, that was actually not not feedback based, right? That was only my own goals. Like German championship, it was like at some point, at, at, like at, at the moment of announcement, it was like Nilly versus Jordan finals. Obviously, Jordan made the huge progress there. And after like two weeks after the announcement, Jordan going full-time and we did some practice games, I knew I had no chance against him. It wasn't even close. Like he was clear number one. He was very clearly going to win the tournament. But it's still like, I didn't manage to have the top six rating or something. So I had to go through the qualifiers and had like a tryhard phase, but like it was going downward skill-wise. And then Andorian, like who I'm friends with for years and who obviously like, should be on on paper be a, a clear thing um yeah was was about to beat me and this is like all the work i put in for months and mm-hmm. i still am losing in such a fashion with such a performance um would have would have been would have been heartbreaking yeah in the end i had a crazy good quarterfinal was extremely proud of myself and had I would I would think a, a very reasonable semifinal um, performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Neely, um, it seems to me you like to cultivate this image of a no nonsense guy as a streamer. I've heard you say about yourself that sometimes you act, you know, arrogantly towards your viewers. You sometimes just laugh off suggestions and, and feedback from your viewers. Again, these were your words. Then there's the, I don't feel like casting MVP versus back the best of five on Arabia right now, <laughs> which, you know, I think it's totally understandable, but it's more about the way you say those things. Now, there's another side to you, though, and I know this because I've seen it with my own eyes. Case in point, Red Bull will allow five. After announcing I wouldn't be coming back for the second day, you immediately messaged me asking if I wanted to talk about it. I mean, we're not best friends or anything. There's absolutely no reason why you would offer to help me, except for the simple fact that you're legitimately a nice guy who likes to help other people. I mean, you enjoy teaching little kids. Nothing screams nice guy more than that. Why don't we see this side of you more often? I'm sure it would soften a lot of the hate you've been getting lately. I don't think it would. I'm I'm pretty okay, sure. Okay, then forget that part. Yeah, yeah. Why don't like, we see the side of you? Like, I could I could be the nicest guy, and N4C hate would be like ninety percent as strong. Mm-hmm. Okay, forget that part. Why Why don't we see this this side of you more often? Mm, I think I'm often in a very like mode of deliverance or like trying to deliver. Like this is my training now. And I go try hard and I try to improve the most in six hours. And I'm I'm sometimes too hard on myself there. For example, I did the like trying to get top 10 in the ladder grind for Age of Empires 2. And I got so angry at myself and was really hard and had actually like I, I read a nice quote. Like I said stuff to myself that I wouldn't allow others to tell me. And... Mm-hmm. 
then I, I simply had the, like a weekly goals as well. And one of the, like two weeks in a row, be nice to yourself was one of my mm -hmm. goals. So may, maybe I'm just like too much in the like focus, try to get stuff done um, mode. For example, doubt always said like, oh, I really love, I really like Nilly, but I'm scared of tournament organizer Nilly. Right? <laughs> like during NACs, I was like, doubt be there in time or I'll reduce your price money. Like mm -hmm. no matter well, how funny he... you are, no matter how like, like this is, this has to work. Get your shit together. And maybe I might just feel too much like pressure I put on myself too much. Maybe I've put too, like maybe too much responsibility, right? That was one of the reasons why I maybe would not have taken the Microsoft job because I felt like, and I had like one decision very early on where I had no idea. We had no idea. There was like a massive company um, contacting me and wanted to do an Age of Empires 4 tournament. And I didn't know if they should get sponsorship. Like because mm -hmm. there were there was some massive factors speaking against it. In the end, they withdrew on their own and it made it easy for me. Actually, I decided like to 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 give them money. But I like that was the moment where I like went to real life friends and like even contacted Robo again, like to mm -hmm. for some advice. But that really like it felt that such a heavy decision so early on my like Microsoft mm -hmm. career that mm -hmm. I was overwhelmed and it like it really got to me. Mm -hmm. So it just sounds like you're an, uh, a workaholic and you might need some time that's, off. That's the accusation my girlfriend is doing. Yeah. 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 Well. Um, that like Smarter. I, I'm thinking about this game a lot, and mm -hmm. I I wouldn't be surprised if like 14 hours of day my thoughts are Age of Empires related. Mm -hmm. And no, uh, okay, right. Let's uh, talk about Age of Empires four. Um, what's your opinion on the current state of the game? Mm, lots of potential. Um. I, when I played the beta, was pretty sure I would not play that game. It was so bad and I basically knew, okay, I would just be playing Age of Empires 2 and pretty sh like I, I thought I wouldn't even do a single YouTube video about it. Like I would maybe stream it three, four times and that's it. And I felt like the progress they did in the last half year was so good and gave me so much hope that I felt like if they continue their progress and do it for another half year, uh, we will actually have a really good game. Obviously, the state right now, Age of Empires 2 is better than Age of Empires 4. No, no mm -hmm. discussion about that. I, I'm very hopeful, and I see a lot of potential, though. And I think a lot of steps are being taken to the right direction to make it a really good game. Mm-hmm. Um you know, since the game's launch in November, there has been a massive decline in the number of active players. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, everybody knows a downwards trend was always to be expected after the initial hype wears off. But the numbers are now pretty much on par with Age of Empires 2, roughly speaking. Is this a on worrying Steam, sign? Right. On on Steam numbers. I think the, right. the percentage Pass... of Age of Empires 4 player on Game Pass Xbox Store is way higher because lots of people are testing it. I, I don't know official numbers um okay 
But, There's two sides yeah, to that, but, though. But, yeah, I let, mean, let's say Age of Empires four is not clearly way bigger than Age of Empires two. Yeah, right, right. Let me just let me just go into that. Of course, probably more Game Pass users, but I think it's a fair assumption to make that someone who buys the game on Steam is for sixty bucks is much more likely to try the game for longer than someone who only pays one dollar for the game, right? So I would assume there is maybe an even bigger decline on Game Pass. And the other thing is we can actually check the amount of um, rated players on the ladders. And again, those are kind of similar. Mm -hmm. um, right, so is this a worrying sign for Age of Empires 4? Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the decline, especially during Christmas, was probably higher than most people expected. And I expected it to obviously... It was on sale, wasn't it? It was on sale during Christmas. I, I don't know. Might 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 be. Yeah, a tiny um, sale though. I think I think it was only a little bit. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. And yeah, like it's. I think it's. Ooh, ooh, that's a wild. Like I just asked myself, what game will have more players in one year? H two or H four? I think it's pretty depends 50, on a lot, 50. right? Depends on a lot. And Zero Empires just told me if you try to predict something, you can be guaranteed you'll be wrong anyway. So <laughs> yeah, but still, like there, there has to be like this is this is interesting. Yeah. Well, I think it depends a lot. Well, first of all, how many tournaments each game gets, how successful they are, and how much will Age of Empires four improve? Because you know, your teammates have uh, kind of put Age of Empires 4 on hold for now, you know, over frustrations with the game's balance, mm -hmm. bugs, and other stuff. I actually talked with Viper yesterday, and as far as I can tell, not even this announcement and uh, 4C will be enough to make him focus 100% on Age of Empires 4 if the state of the game doesn't improve drastically, mm -hmm. you know? Then you have T90, who's declined your invitation to be a caster at N4C as soon as he learned it's an Age of Empires 4 tournament. You have your viewership numbers are down on Twitch, I believe on YouTube as well. And despite all of that, you've stayed loyal to Age of Empires 4. Why? <laughs> loyal? Okay. Right. Yeah, okay. why? Why did you stay? Why did ah. this sudden shift from one day to another Age of Empires 2 was history for you? No, that's actually not the case, right? I, I, I said on stream that I will play or cast at least five Age of Empires 2 events this year. I okay, said... so it's coming. I, I played Age of Empires like two days ago. Um, I'm, I signed up on for stream? two Age of Empires 2 no, off stream, sadly. Like, right, um, so we don't know I, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm talking about it. It's like uh, I'm doing comeback challenges with my girlfriend where she basically plays, then loses, and then I take over. I think it's hilarious content. She doesn't like it that much for YouTube yet. But like, we, we, have, we, have, yeah, we played multiple games there. Um, mm -hmm. I also... I'm signed up right now for two Age of Empires 2 tournaments. So um, Age of Empires 2 uh, like content will increase on my channel again. Okay. The thing is, I, as a caster, wasn't that good and that much liked because I had the deep passion about the game and the deep understanding. And I felt, especially like two, three weeks ago, that I was so far away from understanding what's actually happening in top games. In Age of Empires 4, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That I wouldn't do a good job of a color commentator. 
as a caster. Interesting.、Mm -hmm. And I think before N4C, I might actually book lots and lots of coaching of top players of that didn't qualify or qualified, whatever, to get the deep understanding and to actually get into it quite a bit. And that's something I was lacking, and like trying to catch up there. And trying to obviously, I knew okay, I was going to cast on EGC TV.、Uh, I knew okay, I'm going to be the color commentator. And then jumping into it and like not knowing a lot of stuff would have felt really wrong. So I felt like okay, I need to get a better understanding of that game to actually be a caster as well.、Mm -hmm. Simply because that's, that's an my role.、Right? I'm not. I'm not yeah, the play-by-play -play caster. That, that's a very interesting point because I think a lot of people are criticizing you for being a top 400 player in Age of Empires War.、Mm -hmm. And the thing is, you're actually. If I'm understanding you correctly, you're actually not that interested in becoming a top player in Age of Empires 4. You just want to understand the game better, in order to fill the same role as a caster whenever you're casting Age of Empires 4. Yeah, like I, I try to be better, but、uh, it's it's unrealistic that I will have graded success. Right, my goal this year is one round of 32 in an S tier tournament. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the、All、competition、right, so、is really high. There are lots of full times. Like I, I, there's no way. I will. I I will be a realistic top twenty player. So I'm about to let you go, but I still want to know this. You know, a lot of people are very bad at expressing their feelings, especially on the internet.、Uh, however, I believe the underlying sentiment in a lot of people's critiques of you, even the nastiest ones, is a pure one. You know, these people have watched their game grow, their favorite gr、uh, game grow over the past years, at an unprecedented rate, and they see. They see you as a big factor in that growth, and they respect you for that. So you know now that you're drifting away, or at least that's the impression that we have、uh, from Age of Empires Two. They are fearful for the future of the game.、Mm -hmm. So、mm -hmm. what would you say to those guys? I understand that you're sad, and I, I like the thing is that I don't understand is the hate. And may, maybe, maybe that's、um, uh, that fear. Fear leads to that, right?、Mm. In my opinion, one hundred percent. Yeah, and, and you, people are you, just bad at expressing. In Yoda's、feelings. opinion as well.、Um, <laughs> um, right, right. Like the thing is. I obviously can't a lot about what's going to happen for Age of Empires Two,、um, and obviously NAC Four would have been good for Age of Empires Two. The thing is, doing N4C is not, in my opinion, not hurting Age of Empires Two. It's Obviously, not growing it, and it could have really、sure? grown. Right. So yeah, like how how is like I think it's like 2021 didn't have an NAC. 2022, I would assume very likely is not going to have an NAC. Why? You kind of hinted in your video that it might have one, so I guess you're kind of like I, I don't I, like it's unlikely that I will have an NAC in, in 2022. 2023. As I said,、Maybe. like、okay. my my dream is to like the the three week festival, AOE two and AOE four together.、Mm -hmm. Let's、okay. let's see about that. I I I should probably not have said that on the video.、Um, well, now、yeah. you just said it here, so it's、yeah. gonna stay.
Um, <laughs> and I, I, I truly believe like it's, it's like people aren't moving from Age of Empires to Age of Empires 4 before, because of N4C. Uh, I think very few, right? I, I think, as I said, it's like simply something good for Age of Empires 2 not happening doesn't mean that we're actively hurting or like I'm actively hurting Age of Empires 2. That's that's my view. But may, maybe like I'm very open to to giving me an argument how I'm actually like doing bad to it for Age of Empires 2. Well, again, if I were to put the hat of devil's go, go advocate ahead, here ahead, again. Yeah. Um, well, um, for me personally, I think both games cannot be successful at the same time. That's just my opinion. We just saw that at the very beginning of Age of Empires 4. Everybody just went to Age of Empires 4, forgot about Age of Empires 2. We had a rough time, a rough two months there. And so for me personally, it's pretty clear one game is always going to be more popular than the other one. Maybe I'm wrong. That's just my opinion. So the act of sponsoring one tournament over the other is, in my view, obviously hurting the other tournament because then it would be the other tournament who is going to get the money. You know, Microsoft has got a limited amount of money it gives to tournaments. And so if, you know, if one tournament is getting more than the other, <laughs> it's obviously that the other one's going to get less. There's one pie for all the tournaments, right? If Age of Empires 4 gets more, Age of Empires 2 gets less. So in that way, it's hurting Age of Empires 2. Does that make sense? No, it's it's like, in, in my opinion, and, and yeah, I, I might be wrong there. It's like, not doing good to Age of Empires 2, but I'm not convinced that it's doing bad to Age of Empires 2. <laughs> like, are people actually quitting the game? Are people starting to watch it less because an AOE 4 event is happening? That's not what we have seen, right? Age of Empires 2 numbers are basically unaffected player player numbers by Age because of Empires tournaments, 4. Because tournaments haven't stopped entirely, I think. I mean, I think yeah, they won't. Uh, why, why would they? Okay, we, we don't know that. You know that. I'm happy it's you like, just say that. I, I asked for tournaments. We, we have one right now. We have um, others, smaller ones announced. We have BOA announced. Like, like mm -hmm. it's just like one tournament that obviously was considered one of the big three or big four, not happening on Age of Empires 2. Yeah, and it would have been something good for Age of Empires, but taking that away, I think just makes it neutral, not bad. But like, Maybe maybe I, I, I I'm call trying... that a very I'll call that a very unpopular opinion, but yeah. I'll also and, uh, and, and, I'll, I'll... yeah maybe I'm wrong there. Then... I mean, I, I guess if you can prove to everybody that uh, there's there's a determined amount of money for Age of Empires two, and that will never be affected by the amount of money that Age of Empires four is getting. So those are to two total totally separate things. Mm -hmm. I think no one no one can complain. But I believe the the assessment or the the assumption that a lot of people make is that there's a, there's a pie for the whole franchise, mm -hmm. and by giving Age of Empires for money, we are assuming that that's money that would otherwise go to Age of Empires too if there was no Age of Empires four. I think this is where where, where the, yeah. the thought process here. But that's actually now, again like, this might true. This might not be true. That's exactly the opposite to what I said the last podcast we had. Right? I said I was contacted by thirty five people. Roughly, rough estimation, towards Age of Empires 4 tournaments. I was contacted by three people for Age of Empires 2 tournaments. It's like pe people don't want to host Age of Empires 2 tournaments. 
Well, I guess you can make an argument that people don't know if it's really worth it to try to host an Age of Empires to a tournament when they know. Right, it's not your fault. Okay, we're just we're right. It's not your fault. We're just we're just we're just brainstorming what, what might be the case. But I think there's an assumption one could make. I think life would have been so much easier if Age of Empires Four had a different name. If it was called um, Age of Backpires Four, whatever, people, people wouldn't. <laughs> People wouldn't like see, okay, those are like contradicting things and like stealing from each other. Let's say it was StarCraft 3, right? I think people would not hate it that much if it was StarCraft 3. Okay. That's, uh, we'll just leave it at that. That's, that's, uh, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Nearly, again, thank you so much for your time. I wish you lots of success with your new tournament. Thank you for your openness. And uh, just let people know where they can find out more information about the tournament before you go. They will find me. Nilly AOE. Right. Nilly AOE. All right, man. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks.